Alrighty then. I want to welcome everybody to tonight's Mauer Report. Before I begin, i got to remind you of just a few things. The views and opinions of the show are those of the host and guests and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, networks, anybody else. Just remember, if you get offended, well, it's going to happen probably. So, smile, block me on Twitter. Oh, wait, people do that anyways. Oh, uh, also, launched it yesterday for some... Another one of these, I was just talking to Lee about cold weather projects. I had a few, had an opportunity to finally launch my intro in the podcasting book. 75 questions you need to ask before you start your own podcast. Put that up yesterday. It's on the, um, on Mallard.com there. If you have not been, you need to come over and subscribe to the newsletter where I've uh, kind of taken it over and just kind of been giving some random thoughts from my, um, from me, not necessarily the show related content. And people seem to be, taking to it, so I'm sure it's going to be get blended after a while, but we'll see how it all goes. But more importantly, I've got Lee Austin on the line, the author of Morningstar's Tale. Lee, first, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really good. Uh, it's very cold in Florida. It dropped below 50, so pray for us. <laughs> I shall. I mean, um, that, that's cold for you guys, though, right? Like, everybody's got the winter jacket. No, <laughs> it's like that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry's parents turn on the electric blanket because it dropped below 50 and they're having hot chocolate. Uh, the old folks are freaking out right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd take 50 right now in a heartbeat. I'd be wearing shorts <laughs> probably. Uh, so let, let's, let's get into a little bit of the book a little bit. And then I probably got some other things I want to get into. And then I want to get back into the book. So what got you interested in flat earth to start with? Well, in, in the bio, uh, it indicates, that I've been in radio for 30 years and I was doing a national talk show. I was actually doing a radio show, mostly conspiracy theories, 9-11, Kennedy, you know, run of the mill, what everybody talks about. And uh, a caller suggested I check into Flat Earth, which I thought was asinine. And I said, oh, sure, it's a night show. I don't care. I will disprove it. And over a period of six to eight months, I became a believer and the further I've gone down the rabbit hole, my belief that the earth is actually flat has solidified, and my faith in God has increased. I mean, I was already a believer, but this really is the icing on the cake, and I do believe this is the mother of all conspiracies, because if it, if it is true, and I believe it is, then we have been lied to on a scale that is unprecedented. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, so we're, we're the same kind of boat, right? I mean, I kind of host conspiracies and all this other stuff. So we, we're at, the, well, coming at it from the same frame. So how, I'd, obviously we've got an hour tonight. So obviously we're not going to get into all the details that it took you through the eight months. But what was that major, there was got had, had to have been an aha moment. or a, So what was that? Yeah, there was. I got fired. The owner of the network said, stop talking about Flat Earth. And I said, I can't. It's the most fascinating topic I've ever encountered in my life. And I was terminated from the position. Uh, I was working at the time in the Austin area, came back home to Florida. And I don't know how to describe it, but I became inspired to write Morningstar's Tale. And it is a play on words. Uh, the word tale in the book is T-A-L-E, Morningstar's Tale. But it's also, you know, the serpent and the, sa and the snake. So what I did was I got the Bible, the secret of the books of Enoch, the book of Enoch. I picked up some occult writings, threw them all on a coffee table, and just began to read and compare. And what I found out was that occultic writings, the book of Enoch, the secret of the book of Enoch, the book of Jubilees, and the Bible were all pointing to the same thing, which is that we live on a stationary plane. And I thought, okay, there are thousands of YouTube videos. And as both you and I know, everyone is being deplatformed right now. And people think this subject is insane. I've got to present it through a character who normally wouldn't tell, one, the truth. Number two is arrogant. Number three is incredibly intelligent. And it all pointed towards Lucifer. I thought, if nobody believes the flat earth, I'm going to have the father of lies tell the truth. So 
So he goes against his nature and reveals his cards. He knows that people will not believe him, so it emboldens Lucifer, another name for Morningstar, to actually reveal his kingdom, not just the flat earth, but how alchemy works, Freemasonry, numerology. He breaks down the DNA of man. He also gives you a timeline on his incursion on the earth and how the earth actually does belong to him. He is the temporary landlord. And as I was writing the book, I'm trying to channel God and at the same time write it as Lucifer. And I'm also writing way above my pay grade because I do believe that Lucifer is not one of, if not the most intelligent creations ever created. So he has to speak intelligently and he has to present his thoughts in a concise manner. The book itself is only 80 pages long. You could almost consider it a hand guide to the universe presented by the father of lies. So if Lucifer, who is a liar, decides to tell the truth, he does it only because he knows you won't believe him. And he does it with a dose of arrogance and disdain for the leader, uh, for the reader. And that's part of the twist. Instead of having to, to defend flatter, I just thought, why not have someone presented who is without a doubt the most boastful, full of himself character in the history of mankind? And I'm I'm sure you, you're you're like you mentioned there's a lot of people out there who are getting the platform and all this other stuff. But when you sent me the message, I, you had a different perspective on this, coming at it from a religious point of view. Because a lot of people will sit here. I had someone on a couple. Oh goodness, I guess it was a couple of years ago. Just tell me, you know, trying to, well, kind of, kind of ducked all my questions. I believe about it all. He just wanted to, to monologue his way through it and not answer the questions. Okay, about flat earth. But I, I get the feeling we're not going to have that tonight. So when you, you you caught me in a different light, and that's what I liked about this. So as you were going through it, though, is there any references scripturally to? I mean. I, I've seen some, so I obviously know there's some. So I'm just I'm setting up a question it, I know there's an answer to. Sure, and it really depends on who's interviewing me, and I can tell already, Jim, that this is going, going to go in a different direction, so I'll pull back an extra veil. Normally, the irony of this book, Morningstar's Tale, is that it's rejected by the Church, and yet it's embraced by Gnostics, occultists, uh, the tattoo generation. It was actually written for millennials, and it is more of a... Uh, parable than anything else, but since it seems like we're going to pull back an extra veil, it is written from a Christian point of view through Lucifer, and basically, the bottom line to all of this, and I'll answer the question that's always asked at the end of the, at the, end of the interview, if the earth is flat, why are they doing it? And the answer is they're hiding God. They discovered that we live on a flat earth covered in a dome and underneath is hell, 3,600 miles below, and the sun and the moon about 3,500 miles above us. Back in the 1950s, Admiral Byrd went to the edge. And by the way, they instituted something called the Antarctic Treaty in 1958. Ever since 1958, no one can go past the ice shelf. Yeah, you can cruise along the coast, but you can't go into Antarctica. And the reason is there is no Antarctica. It is a vast land that goes out beyond the ice wall, which holds in all the oceans. But the reason they don't want anyone heading past the ice wall is they'll run into the dome and they'll realize that this is intelligent design, that God built this place, and that the heliocentric model is, in fact, in lockstep with the evolutionary model. And if you take a look at NASA, it is nothing but occultic in its origin and its constant lies. $59 million a day is spent on a fake space program, and it's been going on since I was born. Well, how, how, do they, how does everybody keep it a secret then, though? I mean, we're, we're trusting this secret with, like you said, NASA and everybody else. How do we... I mean, it doesn't seem like... Okay. I know it sounds like a simple word, but here's the deal. Only 24 men have gone to the moon, which they haven't. In other words... I work at a job uh, as a logistics coordinator, coordinating freight. I have no idea who the franchises are, 
how the factoring company works, the inner workings of the company. I just sit at a desk part-time and coordinate contracts. That's it. That's all I know. I have no idea what they're doing. And it's the same thing with NASA. Everything is compartmentalized. For example, during the fake moon landing, you might have one guy who's in charge of a booster, one guy who's in charge of oxygen. It's on a need-to-know basis. The only people that really know are the ones that didn't go to space. It's the same with the Illuminati and the elite. There's only 13 families. It's deception from the bottom to the top, but the bottom, who is part of the deception, doesn't realize it. And it's the same thing with Freemasons. There's a chapter in my book on that. My dad was a Freemason. The first three degrees, they have no idea that when you reach the 32nd degree and you're about to hit the 33rd degree, it is revealed that Lucifer is the light bearer. So again, it's on a need-to-know basis, and those kinds of people are few and far between. Most people that work at NASA believe the Earth is round. It's not like they drive into work and there's some sort of conspiracy going on in their mind. There's very few people at NASA that believe and know that the Earth is flat. It's all on a need-to-know basis, and probably, again, Freemasonry would be the best example of that. Let's bring it down a scale. How about aircraft pilots that navigate? What if you were to tell someone that the earth is flat and you lost your job and your wife left you? You'd have to start for a country song. (laughs) (laughs) I think they know but they don't say anything because they want to keep their job. All of this comes down to money. It all comes down to money. Let me give you a great example, one of my favorites. On the western shore of Michigan, a little town called St. Joseph, if you go 60 miles across Lake Michigan, you have Chicago and the skyline of Chicago. The Willis Tower is about 1,700 feet tall. Based on the Pythagorean curvature formula, you know, if the Earth is round, the entire skyline of Chicago should be below the horizon. There was a weatherman that came on, and you can go to YouTube and check this out, and he talks about being able to see the Chicago skyline from St. Joseph, and he tells his audience it's a mirage. It's not a mirage. It actually is flat, and there is no curvature. And I I live on the uh, east coast of Florida, and I've done it myself, where I've taken out a pair of binoculars, and I can pull out a boat, that has appeared to go over the horizon, it'll come back into view. It's your vanishing point of perspective. For example, I'm six feet tall. When I stand on the shoreline, I can see out approximately three miles. If I were to elevate 500 feet, that perspective would extend. In other words, I could see further out on the flat plain. And I don't want to get too technical because it took me eight months to come around the flat earth, and I expect nobody to come around to flat earth if they're a believer in baller tonight. All I want to do is plant a seed, and the seed is do your own investigative work, see if what I'm saying is true, check it out for yourself. So I, I, I want to put a pin right here, because I want to get back into this Lucifer thing because it's fascinating. But I, I, I have this opportunity to talk to somebody who's talked conspiracies for a long time, so I'm, I want to circle the wagons for a minute and get into some of that stuff. You've obviously, with the advent of the internet, thank you, Al Gore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, how, Tennessee is going to hate me tonight. Uh, how did that change conspiracy and the, all the all the stuff that you talked about for so many years? This became an obsession when I remember I was working at uh, a radio station in, in Houston. And like I said, my background's in radio. And when 9-11 happened, they called me in and everybody went into uh, emergency mode. And it wasn't until literally the smoke cleared maybe two or three years later that it really became evident it appeared to be an inside job. And when Flat Earth came out and I became a believer, I knew that presenting it in a conventional manner just isn't going to work. People watch flat earth YouTube videos all the time. And when you say the, the word flat earth, it turns people off. 
That's why I called it Morningstar's Tale. But I thought, why not have somebody present it who has nothing to lose and everything to gain? It's it's like Muhammad Ali. When he was at his peak, he would be in the ring with Sunday Liston talking trash, and he would say, okay, now I'm going to hit you with a left hook, and then you're going to go down the third round. This is the way Lucifer presents Flat Earth. He is so confident that you're not you. He's so confident that man is so stupid that they cannot grasp the simple truth that God created this terrarium, this Truman show. And he enjoys the fact that he's going to tell you the truth and you're not going to, and that makes him happy. And in the preface of the book, I even state uh, that the book itself was sent to the dustbin of failed novellas. Morningstar was delighted. He wants you to not believe, but he enjoys tormenting people with the truth. And that's the real twist. I found so many people in the Flat Earth Movement begging for consideration and understanding and being mocked. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to approach it that way. We're going to offense. We're not going on defense. This guy is going to throw it in your face And if you don't believe it, fine. If you do believe it, fine. But either way, you're going to know he told you about Flat Earth. Yeah, it's it's, like I said, it caught my eye as something different, something unique. And it fascinates me to, like I said, I read some of the the snippets. And just when you read them, you go, wait a second. Okay, so I guess this maybe this, this probably came up in your your six to eight months of research, when did the earth become round? I'm sure when did for the what become what? When did the earth become round? Because I'm sure, like, you know, there was a time where, you know, you didn't know anything outside your community. That's a broad-based word. You know, back right. 200, I mean, nobody knew anything, you know. Everything was kind of just very regional or very smaller than that. So when when did this lie start, and why did it start? If you go back in history, the Sumerians, the Egyptians, uh, the Hebrews, uh, they all believed in a cosmology with a dome. Back in the 1500s, the Jesuits, who are the police department of the Catholic Church, in other words, they're the enforcers. They're the ones that burn the witches, and they're the ones that kill the Protestants. Uh, The Jesuits decided to merge with the scientists of the day, um, Galileo and uh, Pythagorean, and, and they decided to come up with this heliocentric model. The problem with the flat Earth model is that if it's true, people tend to believe in God. And I'm not saying you have to believe in the God of the Bible. Believe whatever you want to believe. I believe in the God of the Bible. But think about this. If it was common knowledge tomorrow that the earth was flat the stock market would crash people would want to board flights to the edge and they would have a reset on everything universities would shut down nasa would shut down there there would probably be an instant depression because people would be filled with fear but it's given me nothing but peace so going back to the 1500s they decided to come up with this idea of a heliocentric model. And they did it to hide God. It's what the Jesuits do. It's what the Illuminati does. And the theory is insane when you think about it. The fact that in the heliocentric model right now, planet Earth is rotating at a 1,000 miles an hour. Simultaneously, it's going around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour. Simultaneously, the Milky Way is expanding at half a million miles an hour. And all of that is expanding even further. It all started from a big bang. And you see so many Christians who deny the evolutionary theory and go, we didn't evolve from monkeys, that's insanity. But yet by the same token, they embrace the heliocentric model, which is nothing but sun worship, and denies God. You're just a speck on a ball, rotating, going nowhere. You're insignificant. But once you believe in the flat earth, you realize 
this is the center of the universe. Everything revolves around us, and we must be very special. And if we're very special, then whoever built this place must also be very special. Let's go find him. So the flat earth theory drives people to God. The heliocentric model drives people away from God. And that, to me, is the underlying issue with this theory. Evolution is rejected by Christians. Heliocentric is embraced. Why is that? You reject one, but you embrace the other. And when you find out that most, if not all, astronauts are Freemasons, then that just confirms it even more. It's a small group. It's like George Carlin said. It's a big group, and you're not in it. You and I are not part of the big group. We're never part of the big group. No. For whatever reason that is. So I, I think you might have mentioned this earlier, but I forgot already because there's so much going through my head at this moment. Did You, you said there's a dome over the Earth. Now, are there, did you say the moon and the sun are on our side or the outside? On the inside. Uh, here's how it works. This is what I believe. Uh, the Earth is flat, and I believe it turns up at the edges. And, and around the Earth, just think of it this way, the North Pole is in the middle. Think of it as a Frisbee turned upside down with a dome above it. Now, Antarctica is allegedly 11,000 miles, but according to the Book of Enoch, it's actually uh, 15 strata, no, 12 strata, which makes it 60,000 miles. So there's an ice wall 200 feet high, 60,000 miles in circumference, holding in all of the world's oceans. In the middle of the disk is the North Pole. Above it, approximately 3,500 miles, is the Sea Firmament Dome. Above the dome is a greater ocean than any ocean on Earth. Enoch was taken up to the first floor of the first heaven, and he saw a greater ocean than any ocean on Earth. And even in the book of Genesis, in uh, the first chapter, it talks about God separating the waters from above and the waters below and a space in between. So you've got a flat Earth and a dome above, and above that is a greater ocean, and then you have the second heaven. And in fact, there's not just three heavens, there's actually ten heavens. And from doing my research, I've become a believer in superstring theory that everything corresponds to vibration, and that, in fact, the moon and the sun are under the dome and rotate over the flat earth from an easterly to westerly direction. The sun moves 15 degrees an hour, completing one 360-degree circle every day, and the moon moves 12 degrees per hour, and obviously the sun will eventually lap the moon, and that's why it seems out of sorts at times. But the sun and moon are below the sea firmament dome, and you can see them clearly. If you look through a telescope at any quote-unquote planet, you'll notice they twinkle. And the reason they twinkle is that, in fact, they're encased in the sea firmament. And it's that water that gives it that twinkling effect. So you have the sun and the moon circling above the flat plane, and the sun does it once every day, and then it moves north towards the Tropic of Cancer, which is the first day of summer, and then eventually it'll move south, which we're almost at, December 21st, at the Tropic of Cap Capricorn, and that accounts for the season. The sun and the moon are localized, and if you look at the moon in the sky right now, and I did before I came in, you'll notice that it's half lit, and the reason it's half lit is that the sun pours its light into the moon. The moon and the sun are the same size. NASA will tell you that the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun and 400 times further away, and that's why they appear to be the same size. That's a lie. The sun and the moon are the same size. The moon does not reflect the sun's light, but rather the sun pours its light into the moon over a 14-day period. It becomes fully illuminated, and then over the next 14 days, it becomes extinguished. And so right now, you have a half-lit moon, and there is absolutely no one who believes in the heliocentric model that, it, that can explain why the moon is half-lit tonight. What's causing that line? Is it an eclipse? 
Is it uh, reflection? No. This, the moon actually generates its own unique cold light that's actually colder than the sunlight. They've done experiments where they've come out into the moonlight and the temperature was colder in the moonlight than in the shadows that are adjacent to it. So the moon projects its own unique colder light and the sun projects a brighter light, and according to scripture, seven times stronger than the moon. Hey, I'm just glad to hear the sun shine, shine today. Is that, I don't want to say that. Some grammar. Not, not in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's not in I'm Pennsylvania. Glad, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear the sun's still doing its job. Um, <laughs> that's bad. Okay, so this is another one of the. Well, you're you're probably familiar with this cons- conspiracy fact theory, whatever. How I mean, there's a lot of that goes around with this, which is climate change, global warming, global cooling, whatever it may be. Now, if it's warming, though, does that mean the ice around the edges is melting? And if we're in the kind of a bowl, well, I, I that doesn't spell good things for us. Well, here's an interesting part of the North and South Pole. In the heliocentric model, the Earth is a ball. So you would assume the North Pole and the South Pole would have a similar climate. But in the summertime, and I've been in Alaska, it can get up to 80, 85 degrees. And it almost got up to 90, I think, in Anchorage this year. Yet the highest recorded temperature in Antarctica is nine degrees below zero. So if the North Pole and the South Pole are similar, why is there such a temperature disparity? And the reason is the North Pole is in the middle and the sun circles around that and then expands between the Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn, depending on the seasons. Personally, I believe what's going on right now is Bible prophecy, that you're seeing the beginning of the days of chaos. I don't really believe it's climate change. I believe it's climate chaos. For example, my daughter lives in Austin, and it was below freezing about a month ago. And yet, during the summer, it was incredibly hot. So what you're seeing is extreme, like 90 degrees in Anchorage, and then, you know, uh, below freezing in Texas. I, I think what we're seeing is climate chaos. And, and you know, I think uh, weather modification, a.k.a. chemtrails, is not helping the situation at all. Because if it is true that we live in a terrarium, like the Truman Show, and you're spraying aluminum and barium into the skies almost every day, you're harming this place. And I think most of the climate change or climate chaos, call it what you will, is being caused by man, but not what we think. I think there's some pretty insidious agendas on the table and in the skies above us almost every day. So one more question about the skies above us here while we're... I'm thinking about satellites, you know, because, well, it's internet, yeah, can somebody... Well, your cell phones, well, I guess cell phones are towers, but satellite... How does, I mean, obviously they're low enough they're not hitting the dome then, I'm guessing, right? That's a recent revelation, and this is going to sound insane, but it's weather balloons. Uh, I contend in the book that satellites do exist, but at a much lower orbit. In other words, uh, there's a difference between, obviously, low Earth orbit and high Earth orbit where the International Space Station allegedly flies, uh, that's low Earth orbit, but satellites themselves, and this is new to me, this is like, I'm two months on this one, so I'm still digesting it, but I'll tell you what I now believe, that weather balloons actually elevate these satellites. They do exist, but they're only 100,000, 200,000 feet top, and they do work with the phones but for the most part most cell phones are all land-based that's what the towers are for they're they're built to locate the cell and to triangulate the signal as a matter of fact i i think i talk about that oh let's see it's in the book um where did i find that okay um but yeah my understanding with satellites and i've seen a few videos apparently they're weather balloons Satellites do exist, but at a much lower altitude. And it's the same thing with the sun and the moon. 
they're only about 3,500 miles up there. So everything is regional. I mean, to think that the sun is 92 million miles away is, is ridiculous. And the reason we never went to the moon, by the way, is you can't land on it. It's a light. Uh, in the Bible, it talks about God created two lights, one for the day, one for the night. And in the book of Enoch, he confirms that it's translucent, crystalline. You can't land on it. It's not that we can't get to the moon. 3,500 miles is not a big feat for NASA. The problem is where do you put your feet when you get there and you've done the feet? Because there's no place to land because it's a light. And what really throws people off is when you look at the moon, you see the craters, and it gives the illusion that it's some sort of land, but it's not. It's just the light. And, and this is so funny. They say, the reason we don't see the other side of the moon is because it's in a geosynchronous orbit with the Earth, which is ridiculous. It's just a disk. I believe that the moon is a disk, the sun is a disk, and the Earth is the Truman Show. It's, it's, a, it's a dome, and we live on a flat plane, and nobody's getting out. Back in the 1950s, uh, they had a couple of operations. One was Operation High Jump, where they tried to jump to the wall to explore Antarctica. And the other one was Operation Fishbowl, where they actually tried to blow up the firmament dome. They know. And they also know that if the majority of people were to find out, many institutions would fall, faith in God would increase, and the irony of the book, Morningstar's Tale, is that Lucifer is telling you the truth, that God built this place, and if you come to that belief, your faith in God will increase, not decrease. But he knows you won't believe him. That's the twist. What, what about the other planets, then, like Mars and Venus, and ones that we I mean, can see with the naked eye? Are they closer? Uh, let me go. Yeah, yeah, they're much closer. Uh, let me just read a little bit. Uh, from the book. And again, this is from Morningstar's Tale. Another deception is the fiction of planets. Millions of spinning balls rotating around millions of burning star balls. Actually, the planets and stars are a collective habitation of angelic beings known as luminaries and stones of fire. Flickering, sentient, intelligent orbs contained within the sea firmament dome. If you want to see extraterrestrial beings, just look up into the night sky. The function of these interdimensional luminaries are to glorify my name. He would tell you otherwise, just one of our many disagreements. I was the first stone of fire cast down from the fifth dimension of the third heaven. And then he says, through the lens of a telescope, luminaries, and again, this would be stars or planets, appear to have ripples, a natural occurrence, since my stones of fire are encased within the sea firmament dome. The sun and the moon don't display water ripples because they are below the water firmament dome, rotating above and around the flat earth within the third dimension of the first heaven. So, according to the Book of Enoch and occultic writings, seven of the luminaries, and that would be Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, the sun, Venus, uh, Mercury, and the moon, those are the seven rebellious luminaries, and the number of my Luciferian council is seven. I am the morning star who rules over the seven, seven luminaries. So apparently there was this disagreement between God and Lucifer. And initially from doing this research, earth was in the possession of Lucifer. And then God deeded it to Adam and Eve. When they rebelled, it was deeded back to Lucifer. So even though Christ came to redeem sin to this very present moment man is not in charge of this world lucifer is lucifer is the temporary landlord and he rules this place god allows him to but he can legally rule this place because of man's rebellion so initially i believe that the flat earth was given to lucifer and then it was given to man Lucifer deceived man, and now it's back in the possession of Lucifer until God comes back. I normally don't get into the spiritual end that deep, 
but from our conversation, it sounds like you're you're willing to go a little bit further down the rabbit hole than other people. Oh yeah, clearly. I think. I mean, that's. I I I want to find the bottom or the top. Depends where your hole's at, right? <laughs> well, you know, and, and Paul says one of my favorite scriptures. He says we look in the mirror as a Paul, as a poor reflection. Today we only see in part. When we're with him, we'll see in full. So no one has a full grasp on all of this i mean but just the idea that the earth could be flat and that we're the center of the universe that really gives me more hope than i already had being on a ball spinning at a thousand miles an hour traveling at sixty-six thousand miles an hour i just don't have enough faith to believe in that How, no one's ever detected motion it's just it's insane but yet we believe it because as children, we walked into kindergarten and the first thing we saw was a globe. I've only believed this for four years. Most of my life, I believe the earth was round. It's been quite a revelation. It's cost me my radio career, but I wouldn't go back and trade it. As, as a guy from NASA said, I wouldn't go, we'd go to the moon in a nanosecond, but we can't because we destroyed all that technology. Do you realize that this is the only time in the history of man that we've gone backwards? A hundred years ago, you had a rotary phone, not even a rotary phone. You just waited for four rings and you picked it up. 1969, we go to the moon. And 1972 is the last time we've gone. And we haven't gone back since. And we can't go back because we destroyed, destroyed all the technology. And yet there's more technology in the cell phone I'm speaking in than the entire lunar capsule that landed on the moon. <laughs> I mean, the stuff they expect you to believe is hilarious. NASA is incredibly funny. They should do stand-up. But nobody listen. Right. So I, I've got to I got to get you back five years ago. Did you have questions about the moon landing before you you fell down this far into the rabbit hole? I haven't believed in the moon landing in 20 years. I've, I've been way down that rabbit hole a long time ago. I just, you know, what's interesting. The book itself, Morning Star's Tale, I'm, I'm marketing it to uh, millennials, mostly college students. There's two different worlds. You were either born before the internet or after. And those born after the internet, usually millennials are very open to questioning the moon landing, very open to questioning the shape of the earth. But my generation, you know, the baby boomers, we saw it on television. There were three channels. How would anybody question that back in 1969? But now, fast forward, it looks like Kubrick, his greatest work, was never released in a theater. There's just so many inconsistencies with all of it. I mean, where do you stand? Where do you stand on the moon landing, for example? I I stand awkwardly still trying to figure it out. Because I see the video and I go, well, if we've been there, like you were just saying, well, let's go back. Let's, I mean, I'm not necessarily the active tourist type, but, I mean, we should be making runs to the moon by now, right? Like you were mentioned, you got your retirees down there cruise ships and all that, we should just be uh, jetting off the space. I mean, especially to the moon by now. If the, I, mean, I, wa- I watch I watch the rockets take off. Elon Musk, SpaceX, I only live about 30 miles from Cape Canaveral. And every time a rocket takes off, it always curves. The reason it curves is so it doesn't hit the dome. Uh, it really is a matter of just whether you want to find out and if you're willing to get uncomfortable, I, I'm i just at a point in my life where I just want to know what the truth is. I don't have an agenda. I just felt compelled to write this book. And the irony is I've spent more time marketing the book than I did writing the book. I thought, okay, it took a year to write 80 pages with five revisions and one by the publisher. And I've literally spent 14 months marketing it. I've spent five times 
as much time marketing as I ever did writing it because the strategy is to get it into the hands of millennials. And where do you find millennials? You find them on college campuses. And that's where I'm going. I mean, I do radio show interviews like yours and podcasts, but the majority of my time is spent hitting millennials because they're open to it. It's so hard to try and convince anybody my age that we didn't land on the moon because the indoctrination is so powerful. And even when I say there's a dome above us and an ocean above that, to this moment, that sounds insane. I believe it, but I can, I get it. I understand why people don't believe it. Like I said, I'm 62. For 58 years of my life, I believe the earth was round. So this is, this is new. This is, this is still taking a while to get used to. And I, and it's all I do. I can't imagine somebody who just jumps into the fray. It's, uh, it's very disconcerting. I always say if you want to spend the holidays with your family and you know you're going to fight, give them a copy of the book. You'll be sure to fight. Oh, I have enough problems with the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't know if I even need to go that far. Um, no, it just. It, you said you you know got a little deeper tonight than you do on most shows, and that's what I kind of. I I don't. I'm not speaking for my listeners. I just kind of wanted to get drill down into you a little bit and what you were talking about because I could tell that you came at it from a different point of view and you were deeper into it. So I wanted to get down deeper with you because I think that is the best way to approach this. So easiest question I'm going to ask you all night besides how are you? And I think this one's probably going to be even easier for you is where can people find the book? You can find the book at Amazon, Barnes and Noble and Walmart. Uh, probably the easiest way to find it is morningstarstale.com, and that's T-A-L-E, morningstarstale.com. If you go to my website, it'll give you uh, a preview, uh, the first chapter, to see if it's something you'd find of interest, and then if so, you know, you can you can purchase the book. But I think what's happening with YouTube, uh, a lot of people are being deplatformed December 10th, they're supposed to make some sort of announcement. And many of these uh, flat earth videos are going to go away. And I think it's important that if you're interested in this subject matter, you need a hard copy to keep because a lot of this stuff is going to go away. I think you're going to see a lot more regulation come down the road and flat earth is going to eventually become hate speech. I know that sounds insane, but I see it going that way. It's, it's, it's getting to the point where they don't want to tolerate it anymore and they don't want to even have a discussion, which says to me something's up. Well, to uh, kind of loop around that topic, the first time I heard flood, well, not flood, fake news, I thought, I'll say it, fuck, I'm in trouble because I'm, you know, contrarian to popular, you know, opinion. And then I realized Trump was talking about CNN. And now here we are back where I started from, right? Talking about the, where I thought I was two and a half years ago. Being, you know, labeled as this alternative conspiracy, whatever you want to, whatever. I don't like labels. Whatever you want to call it. How did that happen? How, do, how did we end up here again? It's all, it spins. It's, it's out of control. Well, I'm going to, I'll go down the spiritual rabbit hole with you. <clears throat> rabbit hole with you. When, um, when Jesus healed a man, the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees said, well, he healed the man because he uses the power of Beelzebub. The day is coming, and it's coming soon, where truth will not be tolerated. And when you speak it, they'll literally call you the devil. Part of the reason I wrote the book as Lucifer. You know, uh, to get off topic just for a moment, this whole Jeffrey Epstein situation, I was watching a video clip of that reporter with ABC News who was caught on camera. She thought she was off camera during a break, but someone recorded it. And she was going on about how she had all this information on Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton, and she was getting ready to just drop the story. And the editors and the powers that be at ABC said, no, 
they quelched it because they wanted to have access to the royals. The truth is getting out there. I mean, whether it's about Flat Earth, uh, the Clintons and Epstein, uh, Prince Andrew, whatever, uh, Trump was right in that it's all pretty much fake news. It's all bull crap. And even Fox, you know, I worked at L.A. Juvenile Hall for a little while. I interned, and you had the Bloods and the Crips. The Bloods were the blacks, and they were uh, red. I think they were red. No, it's been so long. And then you had the Blue, the Crips, and the Bloods. Oh, yeah, the Bloods were red. That's what CNN and Fox are. CNN is the Blood, and Fox is the Crips. And, and it's all the same dissemination. They're just there to sell erection pills and health insurance and gold. Uh, but truth, truth is an afterthought. And when somebody speaks the truth, it resonates. It has a real bite to it. And there's so little truth out there right now. Uh, it's got to get worse. And with YouTube throttling all of these alternative channels, uh, there's a couple I watched that, uh, well, there's one guy in particular, he just got kicked off today. There, we are moving into soft fascism. That's the best way I can explain it. And fascism, of course, is a merging of state and government. But right now what we have is soft fascism, where everyone's comfortable, and we're giving up a little bit of our freedom every single day. And now with YouTube kicking off all of these alternative websites, like, you know, you were talking about what you're doing. And uh, speaking of Trump, there were like thousands of ads that were just kicked off of Google. So censorship is here. And that's why it's important to have a book. If you believe in this or anything, keep your books because you might go online sometime to find your favorite show or person and they're not going to be there and all their videos are deleted. And so at some point we all need a hard copy of what we believe in and what's true. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, I mean, it's coming. I don't, I mean, drip, 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 drop. It just happens throughout the time. I mean, it's just remarkable, especially on YouTube. It seems like one day you're going to wake up and half, half the videos on YouTube are going to be gone. Literally half. Isn't YouTube owned by Google? Yeah, which is owned by the Alphabet Company. Right. And they just announced a major shakeup today. Uh, I think two of the members, two of the CEOs are gone. So now you have Singe something uh, running Alphabet and Google. And they're throttling. They're, you know, like, for example, with the Flat Earth videos, it used to be that you would type in Flat Earth and you'd get some decent information. Now the algorithms are so twisted that any good information is at the bottom. And all you see are all these videos debunking it as insanity. So if we depend on the internet and YouTube for truth, we're going to be disappointed. And, and I'll be curious to see what happens December 10th, because apparently that's when the purge really is supposed to occur. But who knows? I mean, how is it affecting you? Oh, well, it's cut my, well, I was never huge on YouTube, but across the board, my listenership's probably down 40% over a couple of years ago. Just because I can't, like social media, I can't reach anybody. Like I literally have a better, better chance of reaching people with a bag of rocks and going in, in the town in front of my people. <laughs> it's bad. I was listening, I was listening to a uh, talk show host uh, about a month ago and he said that uh, his Facebook followers have also decreased and he was given numbers similar to what you did and he was saying essentially what facebook did when it first started was he had many followers but then facebook took them and rearranged them and now they're gone <laughs> and and that's what's happening if we depend think about it google youtube twitter jack dorsey you know, the head of Twitter, most of the people that run these conglomerates, these telecommunication conglomerates are liberal or have a liberal bent. So if you have a conservative or uh, alternative media ilk, 
you're going to have an issue and you can't depend on it anymore. Anyone with a, with a, an opposing point of view is relegated just like the book that again, that's why it's so important that people get hard copies of what is truth because the day is coming where it's not going to be available on the internet. And you know, I think about this term called the Mandela effect. Who's to say, if you want to go way down the rabbit hole, some of these videos can't be altered and history be altered in and of itself. Because if a channel is deleted, don't they still have possession of the videos? And couldn't they change what they say? Well, very much so. I mean, once you have them and then you don't have the quote-unquote originals anymore for someone to compare to. And it's the same thing with AI, like the conversation we're having right now. I'm sure somebody could take some of the words that either you or I have said and twist them into sounding insane or dangerous. Uh, We don't control the medium. We don't control the platform. And it's getting to the point where political... I was reading an article before I got on with you tonight about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And people were enraged that that was about bullying. And when I grew up, I didn't think about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as bullying, but this political correctness is not tolerant. It is intolerant. And this place is really beginning to resemble Nazi Germany in the early 30s, before it all went in the other direction. But it really is soft fascism right now. I go to work, I don't say anything. I only work part-time. And I work with all millennials. But you wouldn't believe the way they speak. And it's not their fault. It's the culture they've been brought up in. Political correctness is killing this country. Uh, You watch movies from the 70s, (laughs) All in the Family, The Jeffersons. That kind of stuff. Can you imagine blazing saddles being made today? Oh, my gosh. No way. Well, you mentioned George Carlin earlier. You'd mentioned George Carlin earlier or Richard Pryor or some of these other people. Forget it. Yeah. Absolutely. You listen to George Carlin today, you can anymore on YouTube, and what he said was so true but upsetting, and most people can't handle it anymore. I love the line, uh, one of my favorite movies is Fight Club, and that's where the word snowflake came from. Brad Pitt says, you're not a unique snowflake. You're going to decompose like everyone else. I remember we were talking off air before I came on. You're from Pennsylvania, and I grew up in Connecticut, but I'm from Boston. I remember the first time I got beat up. It was good. It wasn't at the time, but it taught me a lesson. And I can remember when I was 18 years old installing insulation in New England in the dead of winter, and uh, my body just broke out in hives from the asbestos. And the guy next to me started making fun of me. And we got into a fist fight. Last time I got into a fist fight, I'm 18 years old. And we're both sitting down after the fist fight. We beat the crap out of each other. He turned to me and he said, uh, can I have a ride home? I said, sure. <laughs> and that's the way it was when I grew up. And that's the way it was in Fight Club. But here's the problem. The men have become women and the women have become men. The job I work at is female-dominated. Women are the alphas, and men are the gammas. And it's sad. I I see millennial men that are literally terrified of women. And it's all purposeful. Because when this soft takeover becomes a hard takeover, there's not going to be any alpha men left to stand up to it and call it what it is. Yeah, it's... it's crazy anymore. Everything's crazy. I don't know. Are you on Twitter by any chance? Somebody in my chat room was wondering. No, I don't do any of that. If anybody wants to correspond with me, it's uh, OCD, that's Oscar Charlie David at yahoo.com. 
uh, OCD Austin. So it's OCD Austin, like the city, at yahoo.com. And if you go to morningstarstale.com, at the bottom, you'll find my email. But I don't do Twitter, Facebook, any of it. What I do is I market directly to uh, people like yourself uh, and colleges and college students. My focus in the last three months has been exclusive college students around the country, uh, Australia, New Zealand, United States, Canada, Ireland, Great Britain. And I've had some success with that. But young people are hungry for the truth. I love being around millennials. As much as I you know, have an issue with the snowflakes, I like them because they're searching for truth. I have a real hard time being around old farts like me because all they care about is football or Trump. And it's just like, you know, it's a big world out there. Let's talk about something a little more interesting. But young people, I love being around young people. They're very uh, full of passion and they're looking for the truth. And that's my kind of person. Yeah, there's definitely a divide of nuts. I mean, there's another divide there. But as you say, they're looking for truth, but it's, I mean, we've, like you said, we've got all the wealth of the information and all the other stuff that anybody could ever want. But how do you find truth? You have to get quiet. I bought a house uh, a couple weeks ago, and for the last four days, I've been in that house alone with my thoughts and no radio alone, literally for 12 hours a day. And I have found that I've had to discipline my mind. I, I had, this is so weird. I had a Billie Eilish song in my head. And then I had a Def Leppard song in my head and I, all these random thoughts. And what I was realizing, it's a discipline to calm your mind down and to just shut it off. And I think that's one reason why Jesus was always going up into the mountains because he was sick of people. When I go out into the world, I don't know about you, Jim, but I'm having a hard time being in the world because I feel like a stranger in a strange land. Most of the time, and I'm not trying to be a snob, I'm just, I don't belong here. I don't understand these people. I'm, I don't have their likes. I'm not interested in anything they're doing. And, and why am I here? And I have those thoughts a lot because once you see the truth, you know, like in, in uh, the matrix where you take the red pill, nothing satisfies anymore. Nothing satisfies, but the truth. And if I'm wrong about all of this flat earth, well, so be it. It doesn't affect my salvation, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think they're hiding God. And this is the mother of all conspiracies, because if this is true, then this is a lie unlike any lie in the history of mankind. Well, Lee, we've got less than a minute left, so I've got to thank you for pushing me further down the rabbit hole. Even though it's somewhere I probably didn't, I, did, I know that I have those same objections many people do to Flat Earth, so thank you for pushing me further down the hole. You're welcome. My, my, my job was to entertain and to make you uncomfortable. I hope I did both. Well, you did both, so have a good evening. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jim. Have a great night, and thank you for letting me on your show. And that's Lee Austin there yeah. of um, MorningStarsTale.com. Ooh, interesting show. Uh, I want to run down the roll call list real quick. Morning, morning light. Mari W two fifty W R two fifty cat. Germantown writer, the legend Germantown runner, Brian Bowden, and uh, I seen Dream Master in there for a second. Good to see him as well. Him, her, not sure. Not sure what. I guess I go him because that's me. Him. Everything's a him for the eye of the perspective. I just want to thank everybody. Uh, apparently, unless something major happens, there's going to be a show next week. I've got a book here. I've got a guest lined up. Unless surgery comes way early in the morning, I'll be here ready to do this. So uh, that's the update on all that. I know in the newsletter I said that possibly I was taking the week off. Well, apparently I'm going to be here because I've got a guest lined up and uh, i got an awesome book to talk about next week as well. 
So if you have not signed up for the newsletter, like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, now's the time. Come over to Mallard.com, check it out. Check out all the fun stuff I've been working on, finally starting to see some light, finally, of all of that stuff. Good night, everybody. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.